Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me and the incredible Dr. Terry Mack. Today is another Open Heart episode where Dr. Terry and I are going to discuss all things love, sex, intimacy, life, therapy, and more. And in today's session, we are going to be talking about the dreaded anxious attachment style. And I say dreaded, not because we're shaming anyone that has it, but because it's something that I have lived with for as long as I can remember. And honestly, I thought I'd got over it. I'm not going to lie. I really thought I'd got over it. I was like, I've done so much self-work and I'm so calm and stable that I've got over it. And I think the reality of the situation is actually, I hadn't got over it. I just wasn't dating. So (laughs) no one was triggering it. And I was there thinking, oh, I'm a secure attachment style. I don't think I am. Today, we're going to talk about the realities of living with an anxious attachment style. And I personally think it's something that people don't talk about. And I've seen it from my friends. I've seen it a lot that they'll be dating someone and the guy will leave. Just their whole state of being shifts like into this state of anxiety, which is he going to message me? When's he going to message me? Oh my God, he's been online. Oh, he's been online. He's not opened my message. Oh my God, maybe last night wasn't as good for him. Maybe blah, blah, blah. So to anyone listening that is experiencing this or has experienced it, you are not alone. I am there with you. And I think that Dr. Terry also has struggled with this throughout her dating career and history. So I'll let her share this with you too. So yeah, let's start with what is an anxious attachment style and how does it develop? Yeah. So an anxious attachment style means that you never feel confident or at peace about your connection with somebody. It's that anxiety that the other person's feelings are going to change for you that you don't trust somebody's feelings are stable for you. We don't feel safe in our connection with somebody. We're hypervigilant to their cues. We're constantly reading them and the relationship, looking for signs that their feelings are changing, that they're thinking of leaving us, that they have left us. You fear abandonment. And of course, like everything, this starts in childhood. So if our attachment figure, usually a parent, was not attuned to us emotionally, was not able to give us that stable, loving connection where we always felt seen and heard and safe in that relationship, we probably learned other ways to get that by earning love, over-functioning, or if you're a different attachment style, you may have detached. And it's a really hard way to live. Because if you're not at peace, you're suffering. Yeah, it really is a hard way to live. And I think that I'm going to share my personal story now, just to add a bit of context to this, which is if you guys haven't already listened, we did a live stream therapy session on the very 
kind, sexy man that I'm spending some time with out here in Tulum and how revolutionary that's been for, for me. And last night when I was with him, we were talking about attachment styles. So I had thought for a while that he was secure. And I think that this is why I've been experiencing the consistency from him that I have, because with the secure attachment style, and I'm sure Dr. Terry will go into this further, you don't feel that either anxiety pull or that avoidant push. You're just there and you show up and everything seems quite reasonable and regulated. And he did the attachment style test and it came out that he was secure. And that kind of got me thinking how nice and how calm it must be to, to live as someone with a secure attachment style, because we can have the best evening together, the best day together. He can talk to me consistently. And despite all the therapy and all the self-work that I've done, there's still this niggle that is there, that is that he's going to leave or he doesn't actually like me or this is going to end any moment. And just like a case in point. So I was with him all of yesterday, all of last night. We spent the day together, had a really amazing day together. And then he stayed over and then he left this morning and things are moving fairly quickly, but it's because we do have a backstop timeframe on our time together because I will need to go back to the UK at some point soon. So we're just trying to be in it, trying to be really experiencing it. And I said to him, oh, maybe we could grab lunch. And he said, oh, um, I need to go and buy some stuff for work, like some things that he had to buy. But I'll give you a text later and see where I'm at. What time do you finish? And I said, oh, I finished at 1130 Okay, a rational, reasonable, objective analysis of that is he will do exactly what he said, which is that, oh, I have some things to do. I'll text you when I'm done and I'll see what's going on. Now he left and I literally, it was right before he walked out, the door closed and I literally was left there feeling I'd been rejected or like it was a lie or blah, blah, blah. So in those moments of slight anxiety or panic, what is going on and what should we be doing? Should we be communicating to that other person? Should we be trying to deal with it on our own? Where do we go from here? Okay. So I love that you gave an example because I think a lot of people can relate to that example. I have an anxious attachment style. I've healed, I would say 90% of it. And I'm also in a relationship with a secure man. So that helps for sure. In the case of this example, what's happening for you is I think a few things. When we have an anxious attachment style, we feel reassured and we feel safe when we're with that person. And so we always want to be with that person. The more time we spend with them, in our mind, the better, because then we get to avoid that anxiety and that fear. That's why a lot of people with anxious attachment end up in codependent relationships, because you end up spending all your time with somebody so you don't have to face that part of you that needs to be healed. And I think that we often compare our partner to us. So it's, of course, you'd want to, you'd want to spend the morning with him or you'd want to have lunch with him. And the fact that he set a boundary because he has other things to do, which is a very healthy (laughs) response that feels like rejection for you because you're thinking, why doesn't he want to spend as much time with me as I want to spend with him? But in reality, there's still that part of you that is working on healing itself You don't need to spend all your time with him. And he doesn't have that anxiety when you guys are apart. He just trusts and knows at some point you'll be back together. And he looks forward to that. Unlike you, who has that anxiety when you're apart. So I think part of it is you feel rejected because it's why wouldn't he? 
jump at the chance to spend time with me. And then you start to tell stories about that. I love that almost twofold exercise that you just went through there, which is the rejection piece, the piece that we take as rejection, and then the story that we build about it. I love the part about how anxious attachment often can end up being in a codependent relationship. For example, what I really should be doing today is getting on with my own stuff. I have work to do. I would like to go to the gym. I haven't gone to the gym in a couple of days because I've been hanging out with him. And I know from doing my own work and also talking with you that keeping my routines in place are both empowering and really important. Mm -hmm. So what I would be doing now is sitting myself down saying, this is just your anxious attachment style. It doesn't feel good, but you need to learn how to regulate yourself rather than him being the one to regulate you. Because like you said, I don't feel any of this anxiety when I'm with him. I feel so good. So that's what I've learned as well, is that I need to learn how to self-regulate. So let's talk about how to do that. Now, the old me would have self-regulated through working, exercising, or eating. Those are the three things that I would have gone for. Yeah. It's distraction. It's avoidance. Yeah. That distraction and avoidance piece, I think is big for the whole world. I think we all distract and avoid. And I think we all just use different things, food, sex, exercise, masturbation, dating apps, like everything is almost an avoidance these days. And so the old me would have gone downstairs, maybe got a pan of chocolate, something naughty, almost being like, you deserve this. Everything's okay. And then I would have thrown myself into work fully. Now I have that awareness that those things, even though they feel good in the short-term moment are not actual regulation. I have started to do things differently. I would take a moment sat on that sofa and I find the most powerful thing that I have ever learned to do is to put my hand on my chest Mm. and just to breathe in and out and and focus on like the weight of, of this hand on my chest. And it almost like calms my nervous system down. Is there anything else that you um, would advise to people? Maybe it's getting out in nature. Maybe it's going for a walk. What kind of things can we do in those moments when we're panicking internally and we don't want to jump to the nearest distraction? Awareness is the most important part. Being aware of what are the stories, what are the thoughts that are running these fears? Mm. So you doing the hand on the heart and focusing on that's bringing you back to yourself. It's getting you out of your head. So the first step is really to be aware that you are having thoughts that are making you anxious and you need to learn to tell yourself a new story. Because when we are dealing with these fears of abandonment, we go to the old scripts, which is related to whatever our core wounds are. I'm not enough out of sight, out of mind. When we're apart, he's going to forget about me. All those old stories are what keep running. Nothing has happened since the time we last interacted till now, but I am creating stories. Everything is okay. Nothing has changed. This is all good. Yeah. I think you become so hypersensitive to everything when you're an anxiously attached person. Like now I'm thinking, oh my God, like why do I even suggest to get a coffee with him when I've just been with him for all this time? He's going to think I'm X, Y, Z. Oh my God, that's so embarrassing. He's going to push away. Mm. We become so sensitive to like everything that I think we need to learn how to just 
ground back in ourselves and find that home base in ourselves because if you're putting it in someone else they you're always gonna wobble like that and then then you think then I think you get stuck in these cycles where it's oh should I like now okay so let's just take the coffee for example because like you said I think it's good to put things in real life examples so we can all understand so that was maybe the anxiously attached part of me that as he was leaving it was like oh don't don't go let's have a coffee before you go to then he left. Then I panicked because he said no. So then that was like the rejection. And then I built a story about it, which is that, oh, he doesn't want to spend any more time with me, like blah, 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 when I do. And then when you slightly calm down, you start to come back to home base. So now I've slightly calmed down. We're obviously having this coaching session, talking about it, and I can see what's going on. Now I feel like we then get into some, almost like a crossroad of equally extreme reactions, which is where you and correct me if I'm wrong but you should just be able to sit in the middle here right not message him about the coffee and if he doesn't message you all is fine he's gone to work you had some great time together but I'm sat here thinking okay maybe I should now message him saying oh don't worry about the coffee but then you don't want to look like a fucking crazy person (laughs) it's difficult in this like moments of regulation where you're trying to regulate but you also you're trying to be that kind caring grown adult for yourself but you're also actually just still the child in those moments if that makes sense mm-hmm. so what would you say I should do now and probably people didn't see your reaction because they're listening to this when I was saying that Terry was basically going like so tell me you need to remind yourself that everything's good you're okay the relationship is okay when we have an anxious attachment it's almost like we only feel as safe as the last interaction. And we feel dependent on those interactions to feel safe. And that is not any way to live. You only feel as safe as your last interaction. That is literally one of the most poignant light bulb things you have ever said to me because you are, and if you leave someone on good terms or they send you a nice message or whatever, you're like up here, but if they don't, then you're down here and then you're panicking. So that is so fascinating. We're just giving our power away to someone outside of us to control how we feel. And we need to learn to develop that stability and that that positivity and that feeling of warmth and love from inside of ourselves. Yes. And I'm not saying it will be easy because if this is, if this is you, then you learned that a long time ago that you won't feel safe and loved until you get something from another person. It's that transactional model of love that you probably learned in childhood and feeling like we need that reassurance from another person to feel okay is a very powerless, hard way to live. So yes, we need to figure, we need to pour it into ourselves so that we always have those reserves to call on. Mm, I love that. And then if you're starting to date someone, how and should you communicate this? I think we discussed in another episode that it's about saying, this is part of me. I'm working on it. I don't need anything from you around this. I just wanted to let you that it's under control, but every so often I might have a blip or a wobble. So how would you 
go around communicating this because I think the problem is, and this is something that I'm experiencing right now, is that he's so safe and stable. He's got a secure attachment style. He's consistent. He's a man of his word, all these things that you almost feel a bit embarrassed to be the person with the anxious attachment style because Mm -hmm. it makes you feel like you're crazy or I hate using that word, but it does make you feel like you're maybe the better words are like slightly erratic or a bit chaotic or a bit too much or a lot to handle. And in the beginning stages of dating someone, when everyone's trying to pretend that it's perfect and not letting down their mask and not showing the real them, you almost don't want that person to know because you feel like they're going to think less of you. And then particularly if you have an anxious attachment style, you feel like they're going to leave. So you do you think that people get stuck in cycles where they try to almost cover it up? Do you think it's better that you actually just say, hey, this is me, I'm working on it, and I appreciate you holding some space for me every once in a while when I have a wobble? Yeah, I think first of all, you have to make sure that you're not with somebody who's avoidant. Because if you are still in those cycles where most anxious people start, where they attract and are attracted to avoidant partners, then you're never going to get out of that cycle. Anxiously attached people should not date avoidantly attached people. And then, yes, as you're getting to know someone, listen, you're not perfect and neither is he. You just haven't seen his stuff yet. So you're also writing this story where he's secure and he's he's perfect and you have this thing, but he's got his own stuff. You just don't know what it is yet. Yes. From the beginning, once you decide you like someone and there's some, you're feeling like they're a safe person, then yeah, you just own it. You say, I tend to get, you know, anxious sometimes when we're apart or, and I'm definitely aware of it, definitely working on it. And I know for sure, the worst thing for me is if somebody just disappears, doesn't communicate with me, or if we're, if we have a fight or something, if they just disappear. So does that sound like you? And you make it clear, I can't date that kind of person, Mm. but you have to let somebody know who you are, because if somebody is, oh, hell no, I can't deal with that. They are not your person. Your person is going to be able to hold space for this part of you that's still trying to grow and heal. Yeah, you're so right. And I think we live in this society where as soon as we find someone that we're attracted to or that we into, we almost ignore, we ignore the fact that they're not right for us. So I think you're right. Just from the beginning, having that conversation and helping you to understand whether they're even going to be the right person to be even spending any time with because people attach very quickly as well today. And I think we spoke about in another episode that a lot of people use sex to avoid emotional intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be having these conversations early on. And that's why last night I got a laptop out and I was like, (laughs) let's do our attachment style questionnaire. And bless his cotton socks. He did it. He had no like, no issues with doing it whatsoever. Like I gave him space whilst he was doing the questions because I didn't, he was like, oh, you can watch me do the questions if you want. And I just felt that some of them are quite intimate, the things on these questionnaires. So I was like, I'm just going to give you space to do that. And he was, he just turned the laptop around and was like, I'm secure. And I was like, <laughs> lucky for some people. <laughs> Does he understand what it means for you to be anxiously attached? So I haven't had anxiety in a very long time. And that's been one of the major rewards for me going to therapy is that I just have such awareness of all the cycles that drive my anxiety. Now, 
I went out partying last Friday night. I honestly went to bed at 5.30 in the morning and I was severely sleep deprived on the weekend. And then I did what you do when you're on holiday and severely sleep deprived, which is that I had loads of coffee and Diet Coke the next day to wake myself up. Mm-hmm. So I think that last weekend, I, I, I laid the foundations for the biology of anxiety within my body. And then on top of that, my flight home, which I've already changed like three times, is near approaching at the back end of next week. So I think I was having some anxiety around that. And so I basically had an anxiety episode for the first time in as long as I can remember. And I didn't have a panic attack. I didn't have an anxiety attack or anything like that, because I think I have the conscious awareness of what's going on. But I felt very anxious and I did communicate that to him. And I communicated that I feel anxious about leaving and I feel anxious because we are exploring something that's really enjoyable and very special for me, being able to open up after such a long time. And that, like you said, it takes a long time to get to know each other. But from the couple of months that we've spent together so far, it feels like there's a lot of alignment and there's a lot of green flags, not only from him, but from both of us. Mm -hmm. So I communicated that. And if I'm honest, he wasn't like great with how he dealt with it. And I don't know if that was like, if that's because he has a secure attachment style or maybe it's just his communication style, but he was very much, we live in real life and you don't live in this place and you need to go home and you need to get your dog you need to work out if you want to come back because he can't leave, but I can leave, I can move. And he said, I want you to know that I am here. I am not going anywhere. I I will wait for you if you would like me to. Hmm. And then we just moved through it. So it was like, he reassured me, but I think that when you have an anxious attachment style, you feel like you need way more reassurance because I wanted him to be like, yeah, this is so special. I've not felt like this in ages either. The thought of you leaving is awful but instead he just was yeah this is great but it is what it is and it's life and if we want to make it work then you can come back so I don't know I think that sometimes when you have an anxious attachment style you want people to communicate with you like more do you think that's a thing with the anxious attachment style and the kind of communication that you need or want for reassurance yes I think everything he said was beautiful which is interesting because you're like, I don't think he was very good at it, but I think I thought his response was like very, very loving, very healthy, very reassuring. (laughs) But a lot of times we expect the other person to respond the way we would respond, but they're never going to because they're not us. So there was something missing in that for you. Maybe it was that sort of a desperation or like that extreme fear that you feel, but he doesn't have that anxiety. Yeah. Sounds like he feels the same in terms of wanting to continue to see you. And this is the thing. He'll be okay either way. And so will you, but you don't feel that way. Yeah. Wow, this I was not expecting this this session today to be so like facing up to so many things that one wouldn't normally want to face up to on a so brave. Um, so many people can relate to exactly oh, like- yeah, I think that's why we're doing this, isn't it? It's because you listen to all those podcasts on anxious attachment style and great, you can understand it, but it's when someone actually shares like how crazy they feel they're going. Just when a guy has, he's not even done, this guy has not even done anything. He's literally been consistent, 
kind, everything. And I'm here like, ah. But he doesn't have this codependent tendency. And you feel the safest in codependent relationships, which is a problem. Yeah. And it's a problem that I'm working on. So for example, I now, and I don't know if this is bad, if maybe this is not the way to deal with it, but for example, when we finish recording today, I will go and get a coffee and I'll crack on with my work. And then I really need to get a pedicure. My toenails that she looked like something out of like the 1920s. It's honestly disgusting. <laughs> and I'm not going to message him. If there's something I want to say to him or something that happens that requires a message, say, oh, I just bumped into Tom. I'd be like, oh my God, I just bumped into Tom. He said this, but I'm not going to message him. and be like, how are you? Like, I'm not going to do that because... I don't feel like now I've calmed down a little bit. I don't feel like we need to be having a conversation. We've just spent so much time together and I need to go away and just get on with my own thing. He's obviously busy and he's going to work. And if he wants to come and meet me for this coffee, because I'm on the way to work, then great. He can text me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if he texts me and says, let's meet for coffee, I'll be like, great, let's go for coffee. If he texts me and says, oh, hey, babe, I just, I need to just go to work, whatever. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let it spiral into something else. And I feel that part of the reason for that is, is because we've actually just had this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. spoken, I've spoken out loud the feelings that we hold in our nervous systems and that we hold in our chests when things get tight and that fear of abandonment, that fear of whatever comes up physically for us. Mm -hmm. So I feel better even just talking through this with you. And I feel like, cool, whatever happens today is all good and actually I one step further I feel that now and it's actually amazing that we've done this episode right when this happened because I feel already like a different I feel actually emotional I feel like a different person right now than Mm -hmm. I did at the beginning of the episode I was like super wound up and now I just feel like we've spoken through it my nervous system has calmed down And I'm good. Everything is good. I'm having a great time with this guy. And I'm now going to just go on and get on with my day. I think that's really beautiful that we've just almost gone on this journey together. And I guess my question for you is, I feel better because we've spoken about it, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone has access to a therapist. And even if you don't have access to them on demand, that's not how life works. We need to learn to cope and manage in those moments. So do you think that it's good to talk to someone about it? Is it the person you're dating is is it a friend should you say to them oh you left and I felt this and I felt that so I'm just gonna go and do this now do you communicate that to your partner I guess that depends on how long you've been dating them for or is it better to call a friend or voice note a friend and say I'm feeling like this and then let them be a vehicle if they're open and willing to talk through it what do you think about sharing and talking Yeah, it's a great question because it is this fine line between not hiding this part of you in the relationship and also not always bringing it to the relationship and making your partner be responsible or that kind of sounding ground. No, I would not recommend someone in this situation texting the the guy and saying, when you left, I felt this and this, especially over text, that's going to be like very overwhelming. And they don't need to know that extent. This is your work that you are doing and you need to do the work. And when you need to ask for something or you need for your partner to know something, 
you share it. But in terms of all the details of the work, every time it comes up, that's really yours to look at, to redirect, to use these tools to learn how to self-soothe, learn how to self-regulate. Sometimes in the past, I would text a friend and say, talk me off the ledge here. And I would talk from that anxious attachment part, and then they would reassure me. And over time, you also get good at then like just saying what your friend would say. Nothing has changed. And also you want to be with a healthy partner and the healthier you get, which means you learn to self-soothe when this anxiety comes up, you don't need the relationship to make you feel better. Then you're going to be able to feel at peace with a healthy partner who has other things to tend to. Yeah. At peace is such an interesting phrase, isn't it? Because that's what I guess a secure attachment style, it feels like they are just at peace. They're just living their life and no real kind of ramifications for anything. And I think that when you are anxious and when you are triggered, you do not feel at peace. That's exactly, it's a war inside of your head. But I think that you're right, not over-communicating to someone constantly like that's not the basis of a sexy safe foundational vehicle is it like that's gonna sure as shit take away from all of the the beauty of what you're experiencing and getting to know each other and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and even having this conversation has made me realize like that actually maybe I've even been doing that with the whole like going home thing Mm -hmm. it's that I'm gonna make now a conscious effort to just not have that conversation on repeat with him not that we were having it on repeat but mm-hmm. like you said you know it's for me to work on it's not for me to get reassurance from him on repeatedly otherwise we get it's a- never gonna work that can reassure you in the moment but it's not gonna last yes you can reassure they'll reassure you in the moment but then when that moment ends or when they leave then you're back to you so you need to learn to build that safety and stability and I think that's what I'm going to do with the whole going home thing is is also and this is like not controversial but it goes against everything I've been thinking and saying is that when you are of the anxious attachment style type I think that sometimes you don't even give yourself the space when you are at peace Mm -hmm. to really work out how you feel because sometimes your anxious attachment style is saying I need this person I want this person I love this person but actually I need some time just me to think about, do I want this? Is this right for me? Is this good for me? Because I'm at a pivotal moment in my life, in my thirties, he's also 40, 41. So he doesn't have a huge amount of time to spend investing in a relationship. So I think it's really important that I also take some time out and, and think to myself, do I want this? is this working for me? Mm -hmm. How do I feel about a long-term relationship where the other person lives in another country? This is big for me. I would, I would have to move my life here, which is fine. I'm happy to do that. I'm in a position to do it, but do I want to do it? Do I want to leave my family and my friends at home? And I think when you're anxiously attached, I don't think you're giving yourself the space to look at the reality of the situation. No, you're clinging. You're so like, I need this relationship to work that you abandon yourself. And that's another thing that as I've calmed down throughout this therapy session that has become very clear to me is that actually I will go home at some point. I need to go home at some point, Mm -hmm. but it will also be good for me. I don't need to look at it as a desperate, oh my God, I'm leaving. This is awful. Actually, 
it's space for me to go home and think, how do I feel about that? Do I want to go back? That's a really beautiful point for us as we near the end of this episode, that when you're in that anxious attachment mode, you're just not giving yourself the space to objectively look at what a situation or a relationship is. No, because you're not connected with yourself. You're disconnected from yourself, trying to find reassurance externally. And that's never going to work. That fuels the anxiety. Mm. And the last thing I want to say is you mentioned, or we were talking about just owning this up front saying, Hey, this is a part of me. I'm aware of it. I'm working on it. In order to do that, we need to accept that as we need to accept that about ourselves. It's not a detriment. It's not a barrier to love. It's just a part of how we're wired. And it's okay. It doesn't make us less than our partner. Because like I said, your partner is going to have their own stuff. Maybe you just don't know what it is yet because it's early. Not viewing your anxious attachment as like a detriment. And oh God, I got to hide this. No, (laughs) this is happens to be a part of my package. And it's so sexy for anybody to say, you know what, I know myself well enough to know what my triggers are to know like the things I need to work on. And I'm working on them. Imagine if this guy said that to you. Yeah, I tend to get insecure around this and I'm aware of it and I'm working on it. That's so attractive. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that you said there, which is probably the perfect point for us to end this, is that this is nothing to be ashamed of. I think that when you have an anxious attachment style, talking as someone who does, talking as someone who has tons of friends who have this as well, often you feel like you're alone, that everyone else finds it so easy. Everyone else just dates so easily and is at peace. And I think that we then become punitive towards ourselves. Why are you like this? This is so annoying. And actually, you are not alone. We don't know the statistics. I haven't looked at them. There's four attachment styles. Probably at least on average, 20 to 30% of the world have this. That is hundreds of millions. I don't even know what the figure is. of people. (laughs) In those moments that you're alone, just realize you're not alone. You're not the only person that's dealing with this. So hopefully by sharing this episode, we can show people that from the outside, everyone's always, oh, Louise, your life's so perfect, blah, blah, blah. Everything's easy for you. All of those things are vastly incorrect. And my attachment style is one of them. It's not easy for me. I thought it was. The reason I thought it was was because I had just fully disassociated from engaging and attaching to anyone. And then here we go. I've connected with someone. It's beautiful. It's also showing me areas that I still have to work on. So let's not condemn these parts of us. Let's just use them as vehicles and flashlights into areas that, like you said, still need healing. Yeah, absolutely. And there may come a time when you've healed this so much that the guy you're dating, maybe, hey, you want to grab a coffee? And you're like, I'd love to, but I have things to do today. So I'm not sure. Like literally you could flip into that other role. It's inevitable if you keep working. I can't wait. I can't wait for the day (laughs) that I'm not like jumping up and down when they suggest that we get a coffee. It's also ironic, and we'll touch on this in another episode, is because 95% of men that want to get a coffee, I'm like, ooh, I don't want to get a coffee with you. And then the the 1% or the 5%, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Anyway, so thank you so much. This, again, has been a very vulnerable episode. I actually feel more vulnerable about sharing this one than I do the last one. I feel like we've really gone into a part of me that I've never really shared 
So it feels scary, but I hope that by people listening, you'll know that you're not alone. We are here for you. And if this is something that you relate to or want us to do more on, please message us because we can do that for you. Dr. Terry, thank you as ever for not only bringing me down from the ledge, but also for just all of the wonderful insight um, that you bring with such compassion and clarity. So I love you. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Love you too. Thank you. Hi, my lovely friends. I just wanted to grab you guys before this episode is over to give you a bit of an update on this situation because this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago now and a bit of time has passed. If you've listened back to some of my previous podcasts as we've documented my journey with meeting, choosing and spending time with this lovely man out here in Tulum, Mexico, it will probably come as no surprise that Mr. Consistency pulled through once again and did in fact message me an hour after the episode to tell me that he would love Love to meet me for coffee and was I able to meet him in 20 minutes? Ever since that moment, I think I've started to relax more and more into the relationship because his consistency and total emotional stability, as well as the pretty helpful discussion that he isn't seeing or dating anyone else, has made me feel more safe, more secure and more trusting. I also looked back at the video from this episode and I can see how insanely overexhausted I am, like in my eyes. So I think that this tiredness also also played a part in me feeling hyper emotional and super sensitive to this situation. My security and safety has also deepened the more and more we've got to know each other, the more that we've shared with each other, the more intimate that we've been with each other, and ultimately the more safe I feel with him. And I do have to say that I haven't felt my anxious attachment style being triggered at all since recording this episode. So I think that that's just another sign that being aware of it, talking about it, communicating about it, and working on it, not just with your friends, but also with the people where the conversations feel uncomfortable, like the person you're dating, can really help you to integrate these uncomfortable feelings into our greater being as just parts of us that are a little bit more sensitive to some situations than the average person might be. Like I said many times in the episode, an anxious attachment style is nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, very few situations in life are worthy of shame because in my personal opinion, shame is one of the most corrosive emotions alive. So my takeaway from listening to this episode again today is that if you're struggling with an anxious attachment style, you are not alone. And I hope that this episode and my story can give you some hope that you're not alone in struggling with it. And it's something that has formed far, far, far before you were ever cognitively aware of what was going on. I do believe that the more we bring compassionate light to these situations, the easier these things are to live with. Dr. Tari and I are going to do an incredible workshop on how to manage an anxious attachment style. And this involves things like understanding your activating behaviors, your protest behaviors, and more. These are the things that a lot of people will do when they feel this anxious attachment style kick in, like posting your story, check their story, stalk them on socials, see what their friends are doing, etc., etc. But what I've found is that when you understand these triggers, protests and activating behaviors, it actually gives you even more power to stop your anxious attachment in its track. So I hope you found this episode helpful and I'm really grateful for the space that you held during this slightly uncomfortable experience that I went through live streamed to thousands of people. Anyway, until next episode, I love you. You've got this. And most of all, I am so proud of you for your self-awareness in listening to this podcast. I'll see you next episode.